Well, everyone now knows who won the US election. Well, there's one man who isn't quite so sure on that. But we finished the week off expecting the news that we got over the weekend, so we shouldn't expect too much market reaction today, except that there is a chance that in January we could still have that blue sweep across the House and the Senate. US non-farm payrolls came in very strong at the end of the week, so a good sign. But will it last as COVID cases rise? Of course, those cases aren't rising in China, and export numbers have shot up there. But can exports continue to rise if demand is falling in the rest of the world? It's Monday, the 9th of November, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar fell another one-third of a percent on Friday, down 1.9% over the week. The Aussie climbed a little on Friday, but the big winners were the euro up 0.4% and the Swiss franc up 0.6%. Stocks didn't really move too much at all on Friday, but they did have a big week, of course, but one uh, that really took them back to where they were in mid-August. The S&P 500, for example, really doesn't want to go above 3,500. It it tried in early September and again in mid-October, and now it's back there. But will it stick? Uh, The same with the NASDAQ. It's hanging shy of the 12,000 mark, just like it did in in mid-October. The big moves on Friday were in bond yields, 10-year Treasury yields, up six basis points, uh, up to 0.82%. They almost got up to 0.9% last week, of course, which is the highest since June. 10-year gilts up four basis points on Friday, too, and up five for Kiwi 10-year bond yields as well. The New Zealand dollar, incidentally, reached 68 US cents on Friday night, which is the first time for more than 18 months. But on Friday, even though we assumed that Joe Biden would be the next president of the United States, we couldn't be entirely sure, but uh, now we know. And Tapas Strickland is here, Director Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney. We know who won. Uh, We don't know, of course, and we won't know until the 5th of January, who takes control of the Senate. And there's still an outside chance that the Democrats will have control of both the House and the Senate, isn't there? Good morning, Phil. Yes, it has been quite an interesting weekend. Obviously, Biden uh, is more likely to be president with most media desks now saying that Biden has won the presidency. But for markets, um, that has already been factored into their thinking for some time. Um, so what they're really looking at now is the Senate race, as you're s- stating, and those are two runoff uh, elections are going to be held on January 5. Uh, and betting markets are subscribing about a 25 to 30% probability that the Democrats could win those two Senate races, which would give them a workable Senate majority and that would be a very big tail risk to markets which are very much trading with the view that the republicans maintain control of the senate so i'll be watching that quite closely and how the polling is going uh, in the lead up to january 5 there um as for why uh, as for why betting markets are only ascribing around a 25 to 30 percent chance when you look at the votes within those two senate races uh, republicans got the majority of votes but didn't quite get over that 50 percent threshold in either of those races so the Democrats do have to do a lot of work in order to turn around the votes there. But also just worth noting that looks like George actually went to to Biden. So there is still hope that the Democrats could uh, possibly uh, swing uh, those two Senate races. And that would be a very big game changer for bond yields. As you're noting, uh, Phil, uh, yields did go up to uh, 0.9% in the initial uh, aftermath of the uh, US count, as um, some had thought that a Democratic blue wave was about to sweep. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not. maybe it will. Who knows? But look, uh, the in the background, Donald Trump's demands for a recount and court action 
I mean, everyone obviously is suggesting this is going to go nowhere. I, by the way, I'm on his email list. <laughs> I get, over the weekend, I got an email every hour. Some some hours, some hours, I got two uh, asking for me to donate money for the fighting fund, the tr- Trump election defense fund. Every patriot needs to step up right now and defend the integrity of the election. Uh, that's what they're that's what they're saying. But I mean, it seems like uh, Republicans are swiftly distancing themselves from him. Um, so we're not. I mean, this is just a. It really is a sideshow, and we're not going to see any market reaction to to any of this, are we? Because he's not going to make any headway on that. Oh, I, I don't think so either. And uh, just worth noting, there's a few Bloomberg headlines coming in saying uh, Trump's advisors view legal challenges to Biden uh, as as futile. So it looks like his his advisors are leaning towards the same view as well. Yeah. Also on Friday, it wasn't just the elections. Uh, a bit sad, really, for Donald Trump that the payrolls on Friday night from the US were were so strong: six hundred and thirty four thousand new jobs. Unemployment fell to 6.9% in October, uh, which is quite a bounce, isn't it, from 8.4% in August. I mean, we still, of course, over 11 million people out of work, but a big step in the right direction. A oh, very strong payrolls print. And there had been some notion that the pace of payrolls growth was slowing. As you've seen, some of that high frequency data in the US uh, start to turn lower. Uh, we're still very much of that view and just worth noting a couple of US banks on Friday did cut their growth forecasts for the US for Q4 and for Q1 next year but I guess we'll just have to wait and see uh, for those kind of factors to start playing through the labour market um, at least the implications of the initial headline report was uh, less likelihood of an interim US fiscal stimulus deal in the lame duck session yeah. of Congress um, so White House advisor Larry Kudlow was out saying the Trump administration opposes a $2 trillion fiscal stimulus in the wake of the stronger than expected economic numbers and then the second one was our yields actually rose in the wake of the the payrolls report so th- that the fact that you know that larry kudlow is saying yes these, these figures means there's no need to uh f- for a fiscal stimulus deal now i mean that that is going to be the problem isn't it nothing's going to move uh in uh, in u.s politics till january now it's it's going to be deadlock uh definitely and uh, yeah i guess we'll just have to wait and, and see until the inauguration day uh for uh for mm. that deadlock to start easing a little bit uh, but the worry is is with the republican uh, senate if the democrats don't flip those two georgia senate races that you still get uh, a lot of intransigence in congress going forward yeah. as well and so what is going to be the response for all of that if it looks like there is going to be a blue wave because you would have thought you know that, that, that joe biden wants to raise corporate tax to 28 percent. he wants to uh, push up minimum wages he wants higher capital gains tax uh, you know, those, those record levels we've been seeing on the stock market, it's hard to imagine that they would continue, wouldn't we? I mean, also the fact that they have been high because there's been so much speculation and the excuse has been, you know, we're speculating on who's the next president going to be. We know the answer to that now, so there's no room for speculation. So I just wonder how far the uh, the stock market can go now. Yes, it um, has been a willingness of the stock market to adopt a new narrative quite, quite quickly. Uh, and um, I guess in terms of valuations, I guess the underpinning point is that rates in the US are likely to remain low for a very long time. Uh, Inflation around the world is not going anywhere. And in that environment, um, some of the valuations, some of the valuation models out there uh, do suggest that equities are either fairly priced or even a little bit underpriced in that environment. Uh, But at the same time, um, as you're saying, there are various different headwinds out there that could see uh, time to regulation in a number of sectors, particularly in the tech sector. So if the uh, Democrats were able to gain a Senate majority, uh, then you may see um, some of those tech sector stocks coming under pressure. Well, and jobs, you know, even though the jobs are looking 
great. I mean, they are they are slowing. They're ADP numbers, uh, large employers of 500 workers, uh, up to uh, 500 workers or more, I should say. 116,000 new hires in October compared to 297,000 in September. That's the ADP report. And, you know, a, a similar slowdown as well when you look at uh, small and mid-sized firms as well. And then on top of all of that, you know, that's that's in the past. What's happening next? And uh, you, you look at the, the numbers of COVID-19 cases. I mean, it's bad in France. Uh, they have, I mean, they've had several record days. It's not looking great in the UK, although perhaps things things are starting to plateau. The, the the death rate is still going, but the actual number of infections seems to have plateaued. So maybe the lockdowns are working. So maybe lockdowns do work. But you look in the United States, uh, they've had the, the the highest daily numbers since the pandemic began. They've got four days in a row where those numbers are rising. They need to do something about it, don't they? Yeah, so it looks like uh, probably tighter restrictions in the US. I think there's still fairly high bar uh, in terms of uh, lockdowns, and it'll definitely be a state-specific thing. It wouldn't be from a national uh, federal government level in the US. And when you look at the high-frequency data, there is some notion that uh, consumers and households are already starting to self-isolate. When you look at restaurant bookings in the US, they've fallen quite sharply over the past couple of weeks. So uh, there is some notion that the high-frequency data is uh, saying that um, uh, the US economy is set to slow uh, in the next uh, coming weeks. Now, uh, to Australia, the uh, the RBA, the Statement of Monetary Policy on Friday, another disclaimer for negative interest rates. Uh, they're adamant it's not going to happen. Yes, that's right. So... Um I thought the statement on monetary policies uh, had two interesting notes, as you're noting, uh, further pushback on uh, negative rates there. And as such, if the RBA sees the need for further stimulus in Australia, that's going to be on the QE program. So I think uh, just given where the RBA's forecasts are, I think it's a fairly good base case that the RBA would probably need to do more in terms of additional QE. Um, And then in terms of anecdotes on the inflation outlook, uh, the bank's liaison program notes that 25% of firms have implemented uh, wage freezes uh, and 30% have already implemented those wage freezes. So I think in that environment, with a lot of labour market spare capacity, uh, there is a chance that inflation gets entrenched at lower levels for a longer period of time. And uh, what about China's balance of trade at the end of uh, last week? A big increase in exports, up 11.4% year on year for October. Imports were up just 4.7%, which is why we saw a big rise in the the balance of trade. A surplus of $58.4 million, which is a lot more than anticipated. Yes, very, very strong Chinese uh, trade numbers. Um, Some people were citing that just given the rising coronavirus cases, around the world. Maybe that export figure will come under a little bit of pressure in the coming months ahead. But another stunning set of numbers and uh, plays to the view of uh, China um, having controlled the virus back in March and uh, being able to recover quite strongly since yeah, then. Yeah, well, and the Alibaba sales day is uh, is on this week as well, the 11th of the 11th. Uh, they've got 2 million products on sale, which is twice the number of last year. So, of course, this is the month, isn't it, where we have all the sales. We've got that and then we've uh, we've obviously got the Black Friday uh, uh, deals as well at the end of it, which has already started. I bought a vacuum cleaner yesterday on an early Black Friday deal. So, where you know, the push is on for retail around the world. So, it'll be interesting to see how quickly that bounces back. Look, today, building permits for, for Australia with final numbers. So, nothing new there, probably. Trade numbers for Germany for September. Uh, a couple of interesting central bank speakers, Christine Lagarde from the ECB, Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England, both uh, making speeches uh, this evening. I wonder... 
you know, if they'll uh, talk much about this new world order. Uh, and uh, Robert Kaplan from from the Dallas Fed giving an economic update as well. Yeah, so there's not a huge amount of uh, data or news coming out today, but as you're noting, a number of central bank speakers will be looking quite closely at what uh, the Bank of England's Bailey and Haldane uh, say. Uh, so following the Bank of England meeting last week, markets had paired the pricing for negative rates in the UK, just given that the Bank of England extended the QE program by 12 months and by £150 billion. And so looking very closely to see whether the willingness to go into negative rates has changed or not. And then on the Fed's Kaplan, uh, similarly, uh, coming out of the FOMC last week, Powell did say Fed officials had discussed the options around QE, including the ability to shift the composition, duration, and size of that bond buying program if mm. necessary, and are looking at Kaplan to see exactly what would uh, bring the Fed o- over the line uh, to get that um to do those yeah. changes. Well, it is going to be a fairly quiet week, not just a quiet day today. It's a fairly quiet week as well. And we get the RBNZ middle of the week, of course. Uh, and Gavin is adamant. He told me last week that we're going to get the, uh, the the details of a Brexit deal on Friday, he said. So we're holding him to that. I don't know what you think about that. I wonder whether Boris is going to be shifting his position now. Uh, he knows that, uh, the, the, you know, the US is going to be uh, play ball perhaps a little less than they would do uh, if uh, if their former president or their current president was to was to be staying in the White House. Yeah, well, if you uh, look at markets, they haven't really been paying too much attention to uh, those uh, UK-EU trade negotiations uh, so far. Uh, but it definitely is coming to a crunch point and be uh, very interesting to see what happens at the end of the week. <laughs> well, Friday's the day apparently all right good to talk catch you again soon yeah, cheers uh, thanks Phil so I don't know about you I'm going to miss Donald Trump we're going to have to spend more time delving into data and reading signals from central bankers you know when we had to look for the the twitch of an eyebrow and see what that meant uh, all that seemed less important didn't it when markets spent most of their time responding to Donald Trump's Twitter feed scarcely any reason to go to Twitter now of course it's not over yet of course uh, he's still got a couple of months to go uh, we'll be back again tomorrow morning with another edition of the morning call I'm Phil Dobby for NAB see you tomorrow